You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. We are the Elsers. Welcome to Elsner. It's a production of Galactic Network. I'm Gregor Sprague, and joining me is Corey Scott. And real quickly, before we begin the show, you can find info on this show, including show notes and subscription links, by going to elsnerds.com. And for other Galactic Network programs, go to gncasts.com. And as a warning on Elsnerds, we tend to shoot our mouths off without thinking, so we will both spoil things and swear liberally. You have been warned. Corey, how are you doing, sir? I'm all right, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Like work is going fine. Um, I'm at this like where I'm not working a lot, but where I'm not, you know, like, oh, I'm only working three days a week. So and it gets real weird when some people complain about the fact that, like they don't have hours and I'm like, I have hours and I make more than you. I'm just going to sit over here and shut up. <laughs> <laughs> that is sort of how seniority goes. It, uh, not even seniority. Not even. They hired me. They had it's, me, hired it's me based invisible on experience. seniority. You you, yeah. you bring in the people that that you rely on more. You give them more pay to keep them happy, and you give them more hours to keep them from looking for jobs somewhere else where they could possibly make even more money. Yeah, you've you've been to this job now. I mean, in one way or another. Yeah. For how long? So, and I just had someone else ask me about this today too to possibly do like one of those. Uh, what is it? The I like I swear I think it's a pyramid scheme because he's like, yeah, I retired at twenty nine and all that. And I'm like. So I gave him my number, but then I like he sent me a text message later. I'm like, my pyramid scheme senses have gone up, so I'm gonna just block the number. <laughs> so if he's yeah. if he's a viewer, sorry. <laughs> I doubt he's a viewer because he didn't know me. I had a guy when I worked at the the outlet mall, and it's it's the same thing. It's it's being trapped in retail. People come up and, and just want to tell you about their lives and stuff, and you're kind of I don't want to say stuck because I've certainly had a lot of great conversations with people when I worked retail that were very fun, interesting times. And I probably should have concentrated a little bit more on doing my actual fucking job. But I did have somebody when I worked uh, at at the outlet mall uh, as a manager of one of the stores, one of my jobs that came in all the time and kept going on and on about this business thing. And I don't think I really knew much about what pyramid schemes were at the time. But it was just constantly like, oh, you got to get in on this thing. You got to get in on this thing. And finally, one day I was just like done dealing with it. I was I was over the fact of trying to be nice to this person anymore because he was pressuring me. He was like coming yeah. down hard on me like I hadn't put enough into this this blossoming relationship and everything. And I'm like, dude, one, I don't even know you from Adam. <laughs> Second of all, my life is kind of fucked up. I don't have any money. I don't know what tree you're barking up, but I'm basically a fucking pole. And uh, third, go eat shit. <laughs> Just like yeah, yeah. So it's and the dude is really nice. You know, you should listen to this like two or three minute call. Like if you think I'm like, yeah, I've been here before. Yeah, I'm sitting down. All right, yeah, cool, cool, cool. And I'm, so I gave him my number mainly because I couldn't think of a fake number. <laughs> I need to create a Google Voice number for that shit. Yeah. No, you just you just say, hey, man, you know, it, I, I work for a corporation. They're not really cool with me giving out my private info to people and yeah. having these kind of conversations when I'm on the clock. Uh-huh. So, you know, and if yeah. I had thought about that at the time, it would probably what I, what I would have said. And that's the thing is it comes with experience of of, yeah. of being in retail and dealing with things like that. 
you don't want to make them feel like an asshole, uh, especially as a customer. You don't want to piss them off, but yeah. you you also don't want to create a a expectation that anything they follow up with is is going to be cool with you because that's just it. It sometimes the hard no is the nicer way to go. Yeah. Um. And you can you can do a hard no without being a prick about it, but it's still it's like I don't want to waste your time and and yeah. and and it's not about you know you bugging me although it it better not ever fucking get to that but just realistically i'm not your your target you, you yeah. go move on to something else this is not my thing yeah no uh, yeah, enjoy uh i penis pumps are totally not my my bag baby <laughs> yeah so i mean it's and you know that's the sort of thing is like i was like eh, whatever if i see him again and he was like well, so i tried calling you and all i'd be like yeah, sorry, my, you know, I had my phone off before work because I was hanging out with people and all that, you know, I was hanging out with family and stuff. Um, and hopefully he's not there with his family because that, that's the part that sort of gets me. It's like where I become uber polite and be like, yeah, sorry. Um, you know, I wasn't really interested. I didn't want to say anything in front of your family and all that, but sorry. Um, yeah. And, and honestly, sometimes people use their kids for that kind of thing. Well, he's, his kid's like 16 years old though, and like, God, I'm right. as tall as I am, and so I'm like, eh. but the the I put up the barrier of like, oh no, yeah. man, my, my kid's right here. You can't <laughs> say no to me in front of my kid, right? <laughs> I got to look cool yeah. for my my fucking young ones. But yeah, that, so I yeah. get it. But so you said you've been at the at the company for how long now? Uh, so altogether, so full disclosure, I work for Target. Um, I was there in since August, and then the august before so 2016 was when i was target mobile doing the cell phones so you know almost two years like you know getting close to two years here yeah and, and i remember when somewhere. we started neither of us had jobs <laughs> yeah neither of us had jobs and i went to that soul-sucking place of dollar general which was still it's good entry point it got you experience it was it wasn't soul-sucking until the boss that basically was the reason why I quit got in there. Right. It, it's not a reflection of Dollar General as much as a reflection of somebody that they hired that was above you. Yeah. But good. Good for you, though, because you you have been at this for a couple of years now and you were at that for a while before that. And it's just it's nice to see you. It seems like you having spending money helps. Your confidence seems yeah. to have gone up just in general. You seem like happier. And <laughs> and that's why I wanted to, to mention it yeah. is, because you know, we talk about job we usually open the the show with your job and stuff but i just wanted to say you know as a friend i'm really proud of you for for all that you've been accomplishing well thank you sir yeah and it's because and mainly i bring i open it up because some of the shit is funny like so to go and this is probably where i will end the personal stuff because i got extra money coming in or kit that came in today because of the uh taxes that i filed or my mom filed for me it's where i got a refund and I went and did and bought some things for improvement of the, what I will call the studio, the Else Nerds North <laughs> studio, um, because I think I'm further north than you. And one of the things I did is I'm like, you know, what, I really, it's not that I hate my smartwatch. It was, um, <laughs> yeah, as we put, I spent all that sweet Patreon money. Not. <laughs> um, and that's mainly because I don't have my own Patreon page. Um, I upgraded, well, upgraded slash got a new uh, smartwatch so i got the samsung gear s3 classic i actually think i might look for a bigger watch uh watch band because this is the large and on the s2 i was like okay i can get three notches in 
this one i think i'm only getting two i'm barely getting two in and i feel like if i were to work like you know sweat and stuff it'd be like i can't get this off i'm gonna have to cut it sort of deal so i might i might look for actually i might talk to my friend see what watch what watch band he got but you're pretty in on the samsung stuff at this point yeah yeah the samsung stuff is pretty cool but the, the cool thing is is it looks like an actual watch you know it's it looks more like a watch than it does a smart watch because it's right. got this nice, you know the nice metal like a, you know around it the bezel is the is you know it looks more like the bezel that you would see on a watch everything about this looks fancy yeah smartwatches needed some time to get a, a mix of both functionality and fashion and it seems like one would score with one or the other but not both and it, it's it's taking a little while i'm still not quite there on what a smartwatch would do for me but i appreciate the ideas and I, i'm using my fitbit which is just a basic thing and it's telling me to take my steps every hour and i go and i walk around the the facility that i work at so i'm trying you know it's minimal effort yeah. but that that's, that's still that's fine that's uh, sort of it, what this will do but it's in the samsung ecosystem right so, um because i know you you have the note 8 right or, no, no i have you, a, i have a pixel xl yeah, yeah yeah that's right you have the pixel xl with this it does the same thing it'll tell me you know like after an hour hey, hey you know basically move fed us or which it does it sometimes in car rides other times not it never does it with my mom driving I wonder why. No, but it's it's because of the heart rate thing. Mm -hmm. um, so it'll do like you know you're, you've been you're at a resting heart rate for too long. Move, fed us. And, but then it'll do the opposite. So if I start working out, you know, or I'm running around, or I'm fat and you know talking hard, gets my heart rate up to that goal. It's like you're exercising, yay, <laughs> and stuff like that. I've had yeah, that's that a really hard thing with with these these bands is that it's like it thinks you're exercising when you're not really doing much of anything, and you feel really pathetic. It's like this is what it took. Yeah, oh, shit, I am gonna oh, die. I've gotten, I've gotten like I'm pretty sure if I wore that while recording, it would have it would go off because <laughs> like I talk with my hands, so I don't know if it's doing that motion tracking that way. Which sorry, I had a horrible joke that you could probably think of really quick that i was gonna say but i'm like oh no but when i'm at work and i'm talking about like like the tvs or something and i'll feel it you know, and i'll look like good job fatty I'm like oh thank you i'm fat i'm out of shape <laughs> sort of deal. but no so i got that and bought some parts for my pc there's a few other things that i'm looking at getting um here too just you know because it's like like it's one of these things like i have money i well a little bit of money so it's like i want to improve some things but yeah, we all, I mean, being podcasters and being podcast fans, we all want that dream setup. We all want a, a Scott Johnson frog pants studio or a, a jury mobile studio, something that it's like it it looks pro, it sounds pro, it it's yeah. it's putting your best voice forward. And and while we all still rely on shit that will just fuck you up for you anyways, thanks Hangouts. <laughs> it, it it's fine, but you still want it. You want that that next level thing, and and I would like to improve not just what the shows look and sound like, but my portion of doing the work for it. I don't have a mixer or anything to record shows. My setup is is very basic, so it'd be nice that if I if I could pick up the slack on a, a week that you're not feeling well, and I do a solo show or something, or I bring in a guest to be able to do that, and that's that's the hope of the one day for me. But it, yeah, yeah, we 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 talk about the galactic network patreon and what that does for 
the production company itself, the the distribution and all that uh, for Dave and everything. And that's all fine. And and we don't we're not looking for anybody to bankroll us, but we all do have our own portions of things that we would like to invest in to make the, our individual shows better for our audience and, and for ourselves. It's a personal pride thing, too. You know, Matt has pretty much put everything into doing podcasts of terror. Uh, he upgraded his mixer not too long ago. He's upgraded his computer a couple of times to keep things up. We have both shows have looked at going over to Twitch um, yeah. and trying to make that kind of work because that seems to be a better live experience. Although we love Growly uh, hanging out with us every week. And I'm sure Growly Twitch. would come with us to Twitch because I see him on there. But it would be it would be a different kind of category. Yeah. And I, I, I think that that's something that we all hope for and we all work towards. It's just, you know, some of us have to uh, keep the fucking roof over our heads, too. Yeah, and and that's that's like basically the big thing right now. Like with me is because it's you know I'm you know 29 years old, still living with my mom, and all that. So it's like you know it's all these things that are you have um, disposable income. Yeah, and so it's it's like you know like they're pulling at me and stuff like that. Not you know not just disposable income, of course. It's also the you know wanting to save up money to where I am. You know when I do meet someone and I you know things get serious, I'm not like. All right, so we're gonna live with my mom until we can save up enough money to get an apartment or whatever, because that ain't ever gonna be good. Yeah, uh, <laughs> if you have the opportunity to invest in something like a four hundred one k, especially if there's an employee matching thing, yeah, uh, do that early as you mm. can, as much as you can, because that's the stuff that going forward, the long term, you're gonna feel the effects really really fast and and it helps it helps you buy a house you know having that we didn't even have to borrow against our 401ks but we both had them and that helped us in buying our home long run fucked us but that's because buying a home was stupid uh <laughs> and it's a little bit different yeah and 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 as you get older and you get towards retirement and stuff that's the stuff that's going to make up for uh, whatever the state of social security and stuff is going to be at that point yeah. Uh, so always invest in your future, always invest in yourself. And especially if you can get an employee match of 3%, 5%, whatever, or even if they match half, take every single cent that they will match at least and give that value. But if you can do more, one, it brings your taxes down. Uh, and because you're you're living at, at your mom's house, you're getting most of your tax stuff back anyways. Just it, it's one of those things that I feel like younger people don't realize. I, I have a friend that I worked with at Best Buy who used that money for beer money when all the people that he worked with at the lawyer's office that he was at were investing in other stuff and stocks and everything. And uh, they all got to retire millionaires and he had a beer gut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, so, I mean, yeah, definitely. And this has been life advice by Corey. Sorry. I, I, I felt like that had to be said um, because as smooth as a smooth transition over to um, the news, because, hey, we talk about the news sometimes. Now, this one, it's an homage to your other show, Corey, your other your other wife over there besides your actual wife, Aaron, with Podcast of Terror. This is Mike Flanagan is going to direct Stephen King's The Shining sequel, Dr. Sleep. Now, I'm not a huge horror movie fan, as as told. I'll, I'll get to the joke before, before you can, Corey. As told by my last appearance on Podcast of Terror, where we talked about The Nightmare Before Christmas. I apologize. No, we didn't. We talked about uh, Edward Scissorhands. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry, Edward Scissorhands. Sorry, Nightmare Before Christmas probably would have been better. God damn it. It really wouldn't have. Yeah, so, and I'm, I've always say that I'm a horror fan 
second to my wife, who is the real horror fan. So one thing that should be said first, neither of us have read Dr. Sleepless by Stephen King. I, I think I've listed a number of times the three books that I've read by Stephen King. One was Eyes of the Dragon. Uh, second was uh, most of the first book of the, the, I think, the Dark Tower series, The Gunslinger. I, I never quite finished it off. And then the third one was his book about writing, uh, Stephen King on writing. Uh, I love on writing. I enjoyed Eyes of the Dragon when I read it as a kid, but everybody always said this is nothing like any of his other books. And I can't remember fuck all about The Gunslinger. But I, I thanks to my wife, I've seen The Shining way too many goddamn times because uh, it seems like it was always on. I haven't watched the documentary about it on Netflix that I would like to check out at some point because I'm more interested in that. Uh, I, I, it's probably kind of important to say that I'm not a big Kubrick fan either, but I know that they did a TV miniseries version of The Shining with Steven Weber that I haven't been able to see, and I hear is more true to the book than Kubrick's version with Jack Nicholson. I can't think of her name right now, uh, but this is from Mike Flanagan. Mike Flanagan did a movie that I really enjoyed uh, on Netflix called Hush, which we reviewed on Podcast of Tear kind of early on. He also did Ocul Oculus, which I didn't like as much. It, it seemed like the ending was a little too obvious to me. He did a Ouija movie. So he's been in the horror genre. And a few years ago, Stephen King did what was a sequel to The Shining about Danny, I believe, as a grown-up called Dr. Sleepless. And Dr. Sleep. Dr. Sleep. Sorry. Yeah. And so how is this going to work as a movie? Is it going to be referential to the shining that most people have seen and know? So here's so here's here's my question for you on that one. When did that shining come out? That shining came out in the 70s. In the 70s? Yeah. So in theory, that the actor who played uh Danny Torrance. Sorry, 1980. 1980. So that he would be in his 40s. So you could, in theory, do, um, because as it says here with the synopsis, is basically the Dr. Sleep follows, um, uh, Stephen King wrote it in 2013, and it picks up the life of Danny Torrance now in his 40s. He's struggling with the same demons of anger and alcoholism that plagued his father. So... You could, in theory, get someone who is in their 40s. And, yeah. Danny Lloyd, and, who played Danny in the movie, uh, is actually two years younger than me, or a year and a couple months. But he was born in 1973, January 1st, 1973. But he hasn't acted since 1982. He did The Shining. He played a young G. Gordon Liddy in an autobiography of him. And that's it. He hasn't done anything else. So I don't know that we're going to get him back. It seems like he's made his decision not to do any more films. Shelly Duvall, who I keep thinking about, I don't I don't know if she even survives but, it. But that's where we, we don't have to get him. We don't have to get him. But that's that's the whole yeah. point of the book is that, yeah, we can, if it's age appropriate and everything. The book, I think, was written probably about five or six years ago. 2013. Uh, okay, yeah. So I agree with that. I'm just saying that the, the selling point of the book was that it was the sequel to The Shining. The selling point to the movie, I feel like, is going to have to reference that original Shining movie. Because that's what more people know. They certainly don't know the miniseries from ABC. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that one, Stephen King 
didn't like the shining movie it was not very true to what his book was he had a lot of arguments with with what was done in it it was a kubrick film not a stephen king story film but it did get him on the map and helped him get other stuff made and made him an even bigger name than he already was going to be with his writing so he benefited from it but that's like saying alan moore benefits from watchmen uh and and should be proud that they made a movie of it no fuck that movie uh (laughs) fuck dc so I, I look at but so i'm gonna look at this from from the uh, an outsider's perspective here because this is the outsiders what, was a totally different movie that's c thomas howell i know i know they go and, and, hey, damn it you beat me to it fuck you <laughs> <laughs> but um as a horror movie outsider like hearing and seeing the news headlines of you know like they're doing this reboot and this reboot and they're bringing in you know like this person from the original to, and it's going to be in the original timeline and you know like you know friday the 13th has and the uh nightmare on elm street have like you know splintered out so into so many different storylines it seems like that there it's like a, like a tree uh, like a root system from a tree to where you know it's not it wouldn't be past me that they would it would be a sequel to the movie because that's what like that's what everyone's gonna know but a loose sequel so it's going to you know follow the main plot, which I'm assuming the main plot of the movie is similar to the main plot of the book. The the main plot is that it takes place in the Overlook Hotel and has to do with ghosts and stuff, and maybe the descent in the madness of of Danny's dad. Uh, what what I like is that when you come back to a movie after 20, 30 years of of being away from the property, is is all the chances and stuff you can take with it. So I expect there's going to be a point in time where Danny's mother gets blown out of an airlock into space and then uses the force to fly her way back in. And that will please the true fans. Um, (laughs) Like everything does. No. And that's, that's the thing. The shining is beloved. Mm -hmm. Uh, Either you love the shining book or you love the shining movie, or you love both. You can absolutely love both or you can not give a shit about them, but it's such a beloved property. And there are so many expectations from both aspects of it. It's going to be one of those things. that's hard to please true fans and I'm, I'm throwing up air quotes here yeah because they're going to have an expectation of one or the other and making that happen is not going to work there are people who argue that the it movie that came out last year doesn't hold up because tim curry wasn't pennywise in it uh, and tim curry was a great pennywise on a a very reasonable reproduction of that story on again an abc miniseries I don't think that he was the Pennywise from the book. I think that what they did in this movie was probably closer uh, and and far scarier because it's a modern day horror film where they had an R rating. It could do a lot more, but it's just it's still funny to me that as great as I think that that movie is and as, as much as I, I appreciate the, the miniseries before it, how many people argue against the new movie because, well, it's not Tim Curry, so it's not as good. And I love Tim Curry and I get yeah. that. But it's it's the argument of you're shitting on my childhood, which everything that's new uh, versions of old things or continuations of old things is somehow shitting on somebody's childhood. Uh, so that's basically what we produce here in Michigan, California, United States, wherever you're at in this country. It's just shit. We just produce shit all the time. We we're a methane godland. And that's that's the problem I have with that outlook on things, because if you 
it's the it's the glass half full half empty debate you know if you say the glass is half full you know generally you 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 can to quote monty python you could always look you know always look at the bright side of life you know not going oh this next movie's gonna suck you know fuck you for bringing up monty python once graham norton died the whole thing went to pot yeah speaking of pot gncast.com slash pot you can hear all of your horror (laughs) stories (laughs) maybe at some point we'll actually do the shining yeah but it's it's one of those that like then you're you know things are gonna suck and you're just gonna be you know a dick and all that about things when you know i will agree you know things that i like they have plot holes you know we were talking about this before the show valerian is i love that movie it has plot holes it is like and I'll, i will be the first to admit it it is basically the fifth element like the base plot of the fifth element is in here but still it's good to see i was leery with spider-man homecoming you know because i'm like okay this is the third time in since i've been a teenager that we are re- doing another spider-man property you know with a new person as spider-man and not even in the cool james bond way but just well we've had a spat with the director let's recast you know start from scratch get this new you know get someone else in here well we got hacked and um the people involved are wanting too much money or whatever the reason was they decided against amazing spider-man 3 so let's recast and go and go join marvel yeah i could be pessimistic or i can look at it like all right how are they going to do this? Are they going to make it, you know, are they going to make it better? Are they going to make it to where I like, where I love Spider-Man again? And they did. That's where I'm hoping with this is like, how are they going to fix? Cause maybe this could fix some of the, the, the problems from the shining movie that everyone had, you know, problems with about, you know, and even Stephen King. Well, um, Stephen King had the problems with it. I don't know that yeah. many people had the problems with it over the years. They've, they've built up because, you know, they, they, they listened to Stephen King and, and, believe in, in his side of things and stuff as, as the creator of the original story or you know they just say no fuck it Stephen King can't fucking finish a book to save his life everything just ends in some weird whacked out way uh, he, he writes great stuff for about 80% and then just fu- fuck all at the end um, so he's goddamn lucky that Kubrick made a good movie out of his shitty ass talent uh, whatever your tastes it is not for me to judge yeah I, I just Mike Flanagan is doing stuff that is original and now deciding that this is something that he wants to do. Now it may put him into a higher actual on as a Hollywood director taking a big property like this. Uh, or maybe it, it's just like something that he absolutely loves. I just admire the the balls to do the follow up to one of Stanley Kubrick's, you know, seminal films and the balls to do a Stephen King adaptation when that it's. Right now, Stephen King is a very hot commodity. So, cool. Yeah. Good on him. The next article here is that the producers of Gotham, hold on, wait for it, are teaming up for a Superman prequel series, Metropolis. I love Superman. I can't wait to see a regular series of Superman on my TV screen week after week. That's awesome. You know, I just was thinking the other day, like they they should use (laughs) Superman more on that Supergirl show because Supergirl is on there and she flies around in the costume all the time. And I'm like, that's great. I dig Supergirl too. But Superman, man, he's my favorite. I want a show about Superman. And, And I know that they're already doing a show called Krypton. And I was like, well, goddamn, Superman... Superman can't be on Krypton because they all died. So a fucking Superman show taking place in his home city of Metropolis. That's great. Tell me more. 
<laughs> so this okay it, it's executive produced by john stevens and danny cannon cannon will direct the first episode as he did with gotham um and the pilot will be written by them as well so this is right now from what i've seen going to follow lois lane more so lois lane is, is superman's girlfriend that's cool i'd expected to see her because she's there with superman right wrong as far as i can tell wrong so here's the other problem that we have it hit on it's not gonna be on fox it's not gonna be on cw it's going to be on the dc branded digital service operated by warner brothers digital networks dc they're the people who make superman yes golly are- gee mister i can't wait for the superman show oh my god <laughs> all right so uh people who who first of all wonder where that fucking billy batson came in from uh yeah <laughs> wonder why is does that do i detect a, a sense of uh facetiousness in in Corey's tone yeah you fucking do uh because it should have been given away to you from the very beginning this is from the people who make gotham gotham is great as a batman show that has no fucking batman uh, but just everything else in Batman's universe, not him. Do you know what you do after that? You say, well, I'm tired of just pissing on one side of the DC Trinity. Let's go for the next. Uh, so we're going to do a show, a second show. Let me, let me rephrase this. A second show about Superman's world or allies, friends, enemies, whatever, without Superman. Because like I said, Krypton is coming out on sci-fi. It already doesn't feature Superman. Just all the stuff that happened before Superman got there. And now this new show, Metropolis, features Lois Lane and Lex Luthor teaming up against X-Files-style sci-fi threats in their city before Superman shows up. Like, not like, oh, Superman's coming. He's going to be here in just five minutes. Uh, Fucking Jimmy just pressed the signal watch. No, none of that. It's everything that you love from superman except superman because that's just the smartest thing to do ever it just let's keep doing it and and someone suggested on bleeding cool today hey why don't we get that show about the kents just a long drive for seven seasons down a dark road before they ever find a fucking rocket with a baby in it that came from outer space (laughs) man like i know that there are people who like gotham for whatever fucking reason, I could not get past the first season because it was just honestly the the choices made by the show were just stupid to me. Yeah. Like dumb mm-hmm. character motivations, dumb character uh, plot stuff done week after week. The conceit of it's Batman without Batman is already one hurdle. And for a lot of people, it's one hurdle too many. I tried. I absolutely yeah. tried. But you get to a point where it's like we're telling every story of like, uh, you know, fucking sure shit. There's going to be a brainiac on the show at some point. You know that there's going to be a a toy man. There's going to be a parasite there. There's going to be all the the things and stuff that you'd expect in an actual Superman show without Superman. We had Smallville that at least had a fucking Clark Kent. I yeah. See, this is and this is where this is where I start coming to with this too because i and i will point out you know not really full disclosure but just to mention um you know uh head honcho of the network dave nelson is a big fan of gotham um yeah our friends over at ink geeks yeah big fans of gotham and 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 i i don't shit on him for liking it no it's 
I'm just, I'm just going to sort of join you in the shitting on the product that they like. And because you've hit on part of it, It, it's, and it's the, like the reason why, because you mentioned like this, the character things, which is sort of where I was like, okay, this seems really dumb. The other part was you have a, you know, a movie or a TV show about the, the time from when Batman's parents died. Like theoretically, if they were to do the Smallville approach to him finally donning the cape and cowl, it would be about Bruce Wayne training to be Batman, which yes. would be an interesting show. He'd travel the world, he'd do all this other stuff. Yes, that's not what we got. That we got is little not whiny, at all what we got. Yeah, we got little whiny bitch baby turned into, you know, what a couple seasons later they talked about they were following all the all the villains who you never really got because the, the another part was that i always mentioned is they say they were trying to say that you're going to see how the riddler became the riddler when really all he did was he walked around with a mug you know replacement this captain america mug with regular mug that has a question mark on it it's like oh well, can you tell he's the riddler you know, you know here let's you know I, i'm stealing your bit from before here too I'm like, <laughs> from four uh, seasons ago. yeah from like four seasons ago yeah um, here's part of the the thoughts on this one is that what they've built with that show what they've made it into the fact that people can enjoy the characterization the fact that people can enjoy the craziness the storylines the the jerome is joker thing the relationship between penguin and riddler it's all okay you know i'm not saying that there's nothing to it to enjoy what i'm saying is is that it's still a weird step to take that that they and they keep going to this well of, you know, what's great about Wonder Woman is not Wonder Woman. It's yeah. it's it's a show about all of the fucking people that work with Diana Prince later. But before this, before she gets there, there was a there was a joke and it, it's probably a very non PC joke now. But it was basically like some guys who all meet up and they're going to film a porn movie. And they're just waiting for the women to get there. And one guy's like, well, let's just get started. And <laughs> it's like, let's just let's just start up and see what happens. When women show up, we'll, we'll bring them in. But, you know, let's just let's just go to town. And and uh, well, no, but we're but we're not doing a gay porn. Movie. Well, no, no, no. It's not a gay porn. Movie. The women are coming. But just before they get here, it, it, let's let's just warm up. You know, let's let's stretch a little bit. You know, let's. <laughs> that's that's what this is it's it's just like it's it's a show that's about anticipation to something great or familiar or the thing that you really like is going to happen but it's not even a prequel about the character that you're expecting if supergirl was a show without supergirl yeah and it was all the other stuff you'd be kind of hard pressed to say why the fuck isn't this show called deo or why isn't this show called martian manhunter why is supergirl a factor in it at all if it's about all these other things i would absolutely absolutely enjoy a show about lois lane and having her be the focus of the show i would enjoy a comic book about lois lane do you know i know that because as a kid i read comic books that that were about lois lane that were her stories that didn't have mm-hmm. superman in them at all uh dc seems to forget that we used to have comics that weren't about those characters you could have a jimmy olsen book you could have a lois lane book be that as it may i i get the concept of of doing that but when your entire focus is yeah 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 all this stuff exists before that thing you're expecting happens then all you're doing is sitting there waiting for it to happen it is it is like 
the world's longest, driest hand job. Yeah, it's just like, but it's constant. Like, uh, don't come yet. Don't come yet. I'll smack it if you do. Um, Talking about edging there. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, and if you're trying to make an X Files style show, and it stars Lois Lane and Lex Luthor, just don't call him Lois Lane and Lex Luthor. You know what you could call it? Fucking X Files. That shows around. I, I don't get it. I don't get this conceptually. And again, you use all the the villains. You use Perry White. You you get Jimmy Olsen. Oh, then we kill Jimmy Olsen. Oh wait, that was Smallville. To to just like bastardize the whole story so that Superman. It just shows that your Superman, like Batman, doesn't matter. If there's not a Batman in Gotham, then Jim Gordon becomes the crazy fuck all Batman without the cape and cowl. Uh, if there's if there's not a Superman in Metropolis, well, then it's just everything's different. It's in Elseworlds, and as an Elseworlds, that would that would be something. But you know, that's not they're gonna. That's not how they're gonna say it. They're yeah. always gonna tease you with this idea that eventually there's going to be a Superman, just like we waited for fucking ten years or whatever on Smallville for a suit and cape that was one flash of animated shit at the end, and. You know, it kind of made it feel like, oh, yeah, it was sort of not worth it at all. It wasn't worth it at all. It was a lot of bullshit. It was a lot of bullshit of seasons like we had fucking more Supergirl than we ever had Superman in the show. What is wrong with these people? You know, we had a Flash. We had an Aquaman who kept saying bra all the time. We we had a Green Arrow show before there was a Green Arrow show. It, it was just, nah, man, you just fucking do it at this point. We have the ability to have superheroes on TV. We have five successful. Well, I mean, we're, we're going to wait and see on Black Lightning, but I hope it's successful. Five successful shows about superheroes on the CW. All DC heroes fucking do a Superman show if you want to do a Superman show. Otherwise, it's bullshit. It's bullshit. I'm calling it. Yeah. All right. It's you heard it here first, folks. Corey calls bullshit. The third and final story for the Else News is that Tom Hanks is set to play Mr. Rogers in the biopic You Are My Friend. This will be directed by Diary of a Teenage Girl director Marielle Heller and will be done through Sony's TriStar division. Now, the, the cool thing for this for me is the screenplay first appeared on 2013's Blacklist, um, the script thing you know scripts that didn't get made not the tv show but the, the interesting part for this for me on this is it's not just like telling his life story or whatever they're hitting it they're going to focus in on mr rogers relationship with award-winning journalist tom junad the cynical journal journalist where he begrudgingly accepts an assignment to write a profile piece on the beloved tv icon and finds his perspective on life transformed this like we were talking about this in the pre-show, this is my childhood. You know, Mister Rogers. I grew up on that. It was, you know, because we didn't always have uh, cable growing up. Because, I mean, you know, mom to her, I will applaud her now because you know she raised me and my sister by herself, and all that. So, you know, cable wasn't always a first priority until you know she's like, "There's a lot of good stuff on here. Let's you know, let's get the cables," and all that. she didn't talk like that she heard me actually say that she probably come in here and smack me um but so we but we always had the over the air antennas where we would have pbs and mr rogers was one of them shows it was mr rogers arthur which 
really pissed me off that they were doing those memes. I'm like, come on, man. It's it's a kid show. Bill Nye, the science guy. You know, it was all like that was during the week, you know, because PBS kids, right when I got out of school, always had these these shows on. It was Zoom, the the reboot of Zoom that they had, uh, Magic School Bus, all these things. And I'm like, you know, and it was great. I loved it. I loved Mr. Rogers. So it's it's cool to see, for me to see this movie because it's going to it's going to shed some more light on who he is because a lot of people I'm not going to say they're wrong for saying this but they're always like he was a little weird and creepy I'm like no he just wanted to share kindness with people you know this is a show that I don't think would have been made now it, you know if he started when he started now I don't think this would would have lasted well it's from a more innocent time it was for from a part where kids could be entertained by puppets on tv um mm-hmm. we didn't have a lot of the the flashiness that stuff happens now uh, a little weird to me that this is being directed by the guy who did diary of a teenage girl do you know that movie at all no it is a a movie about a 15 year old girl who embarks on an enthusiastic sexual odyssey beginning with her mother's current lover um <laughs> so right off the bat anybody who who wants to make a case of like creepy um, you might have some ammo there, but yeah. realistically, Mr. Rogers was a very sweet-hearted man who who taught kids about acceptance and creativity and exploring um, their imagination and stuff. I I just hope this doesn't fuck with with my plot, which was doing a movie version of Mr. Dress Up, but it goes along the lines of the talented Mr. Ripley. Still, I, I I I think that this is this is sweet. This is great, and and Tom Hanks is like the sweetest man in Hollywood. We we all love him, and I I think that it makes really good sense that he would be the one chosen to play this part. Yeah, if not likeness, I I think he could just do a really good job at it. There, it's the kind of thing that you just hear and you kind of imagine it in your head. And while it may not be exactly what comes out, it, you just feel a warmth swell. Yeah. You know, that, that Grinch's heart through three sizes that day. And <laughs> then he had to go see a doctor and the doctor said, you have, you know, onset heart disease. We have to, we have to operate, but your insurance won't cover it. And uh, also your dog has cancer. <laughs> um, <clears throat> because I, I bring joy. I, I, I think this is cute. I think this is really sweet. It it it's it's much the same as if someone did a movie about the Bob Ross, you know, art of painting stuff. It, I which we we're probably getting in Deadpool, but yeah, I think it's good. And, and I watched Mr. Rogers when I was a kid too. I it, my era was a little bit before you, so Mr. Rogers, Polka Dot Door, uh, that sort of thing. But I got a lot of the Canadian shows in Michigan, and that's where we had the Gentle Giant yep. and Mr. Dress Up and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's so I mean, that's honestly where like I look at this and uh, like you're, you're right. I do like everything about this, you know, the, you know, with the casting side of, you know, Mr. Rogers being played by Tom Hanks. And it doesn't sound like it's a movie about Mr. Rogers. Like we're following him around in his life. It's it's an interview movie. It's probably going to be more about the character who's interviewing him in his journey after yeah. and, and while getting to meet Mr. Rogers. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. I'm I'm so down with this, to be honest. I am. I think this is going to be cool. I, I, I think it's, it's going to be, be cool. really nice. Yeah. It, it, it sounds, it sounds like one of those things is going to come out around Christmas time and everybody's going to go and ah over it and see it on Christmas day with their families. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see that. And nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. But yeah, so that is going to do it for the news. And before we get to the else view, 
maybe z- <laughs> we have a message for you. We mentioned it before. Um, we're, so we're going to mention it again. Uh, we have a Patreon over at patreon.com slash galactic netcast. You go there, you could donate as little as you want, as much as you want. It doesn't matter. Well, I mean, it matters that you're donating, but it's not, we're not like, do it, hey, do this, do this, do this. I'll put it to you this way. The more you donate, the more that more people donate, you know, so share this with your friends. If you think they, they'll like, not even just El- the Else Nerds, but, you know, the Galactic Network as a whole, if there's a show on here that they would like, share it with them, share us with them. And then if, if they like it, you know, tell them, hey, support them. Because then, you know, the more money we get, the more that we can actually do the stuff, this stuff that we love called podcasting, to where we can actually, you'll see us with, you know, maybe some better equipment, you know, maybe the ability to watch more things and stuff like that. And you can do that really simply by going to patreon.com slash galactic netcasts. You can also go over to gncast.com slash support, which will have a link to the Patreon page. That's basically the big way you can help us out. And we would appreciate it if you did. Thank you. So it is time for the else views, and this is the portion of the show where we talk about the things that we have been reading, watching, listening, doing, other ings too. And Corey, do you got do you got something for us or just yeah? I I, I kind of thought like what I was going to bring up this week. I, oh, so sorry. many things that I watched sorry, during real, the holidays. Yeah, real quick, I started listening to uh, Charlie Bliss after your recommendation. Oh yeah, last week. Yeah, I love it. I love them, dude. I I really enjoy them a lot. <laughs> and, and cool. I this week I I, I was listening to uh, Childish Gambino. Nice. I, I don't listen to a lot of of rap music in general, but of course, being Donald Glover, I wanted to get a, a little bit of a of a more of a shot than I would normally do. Uh, and he's he's so incredibly talented, and I like a lot of his stuff, but. You know, it's it's still very different to me, but I I want to spend a little bit more time with it. But that's not what I'm going to review this week. I don't know if you saw it. My wife and I, uh, my wife especially, are are pretty big fans of the Goldbergs. Yes. This week they had in place of the Goldbergs. And I don't even know if it was going to record, but I managed to catch it just in time. Anyways, they had the pilot for the spinoff, the which I don't think they've even named. They just said the Goldbergs present a 90s special or something. Yeah, so it was. So what you're referring to is what was going to be the 90s spinoff that followed the gym teacher and uh, Tim Meadows' character. Tim Meadows was the guidance counselor and becomes the principal of the school. And it it has some of the other teachers who've been on the show. Anna Gasteyer is, is in there as the drama teacher. Uh, I don't know his name, but the guy from Broken Lizard who plays one of the the teachers yeah, who's kind of um, abusive to all the kids. Yeah, I, I can't think of his name either. He's, and then he, uh, say Car Ramrod, say Car Car Ramrod, that one. That guy. yeah. And then Ned from Groundhog's Day, who played the principal before, uh, does the Steve handoff to Tim Meadows' character. And Beverly Goldberg shows up in a, a couple of times too because you have to have that yeah. handoff. It's about Tim Meadows takes over the school as the principal. It most revolves around his character and the gym teacher character. And then Tim hires his sister, sister from the DMV to come to the school. I guess because I've never realized this before. It's a private school and it would allow her to have her daughters be able to go to it for free. And it's told from the perspective of one of the daughters who is more the troublemaker one coming to the school for the first time, like in the way that the other one is told from the perspective of Adam. Uh, who's the youngest in that and it's pretty 
base. It it follows the same kind of structure of any Goldberg's episode of the the highs and lows of like, oh, we're doing this and oh, we hit this misunderstanding and oh, we take it way too far. And then we step back and we find we find our, our, our understanding of each other's feelings and and we work everything out. And uh, it just maybe because they copied the formula, it just felt kind of weak in in my opinion. Yeah. Like and, and I've been watching I've been rewatching the Goldbergs are on at six o'clock in the morning on uh, Nickelodeon, I think, yep. when I get up for work. And so I watch them over breakfast and. I, I like the show. I, I think that it's one of those things that if I rewatch it too much, I'm going to see the formula even more and it's going to become kind of pestering. Sometimes syndication will just kill an interest in a show, even if it's still current. Like I'm not as big on the Big Bang Theory anymore because I've watched the reruns too many times. Yeah. If I had just watched the episodes as they aired, it might be different. But this it and I, I know what we talked about this show coming up. And I said, really? You know, the this show is going to have a spinoff with the the teaching staff but they're going to be on on the current show and then the later show so they we don't get to really see a growth for them because we know where they wind up uh i, I always have a problem with time travel stories for that it, it just seemed really odd plus it takes place in the 90s and isn't fresh off the boat also already a 90s series for abc at the moment yeah so it, it doesn't even break any new ground it just it's just more of kind of the same from two different directions and and just in general, I I just I didn't think it was that funny. I, I like Tim Meadows a lot. I like the guy who plays the coach. Uh, they're great on the Goldbergs, especially as their characters. And on this, it just didn't seem to do anything particularly humorous. Like maybe I've, I'd have to go back and rewatch the pilot for the Goldbergs to see if it was that funny from the very beginning. And since this is a pilot and a spinoff, it has a couple strikes against it normally. But it just it didn't it didn't appeal to me. I don't think it would go on DVR. So I, cause I did watch it and actually this was going to be mine. Um, but then I'm like, you know, what? let's do, let's do something a little different here and let's finish your review of the thing <laughs> I'm going to talk about. But, um, I, I did enjoy, it. I, I, I give, I tend to give a lot of leeway to things, but I heard that this is not going to be picked up. I kind of believe it. But like this was even before it was like released. Like they did the, they I think they aired it for that second shot. I mean it. It's I didn't mind it. That's exactly um, it. It's I didn't mind it, but I didn't love it. I didn't even really care for it. It 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 was so utterly forgettable. It was it was standard ABC fare, but with the ABC funny shows, some of them stand out. Yeah, you know, I I am at this point. We're still we're watching the middle towards till the end, and I feel like it's definitely had its highs and lows. But I I think that they're kind of crushing it in this last season because they need to and because they get to go out knowing what's coming up. I think the Goldbergs is very good. Uh, I love Blackish. Yeah, but there are other ones that I see and and I catch episodes here and there, like Fresh Off the Boat. I I don't think is terrific i i watch it and it's fine it's if it's on in the background mm -hmm. uh same with um american mom yeah american mom, american housewife or american whatever housewife. it is yeah i expected that show to be so much better i the the two leads are terrific in other things and in this they're just sort of it's the same stuff that we've seen so much before and, and I, maybe because of the cattiness of the character it just it's less appealing and this this was even below those to me. It, it's it's like I, I watched it once and I'm like, well, I'm probably never going to look at this again. 
It, it maybe it's just because it's got too much of a pedigree that has to ride off of with the Goldbergs and and the, um, yeah. So the the hope with this was it did get shot down from ABC at first. They decided to give it a shot. It's called a nineteen something spinoff, or the nineteen ninety something spinoff. It's also called Schooled. That's what it'll be on IMDb. Um, the the quote that they have in here from the uh, Goldberg's creator Adam Goldberg is it's airing as a regular episode as a spinoff special, quote unquote spinoff special, and hopefully people won't be too confused says the Goldberg's creator, Adam Goldberg. Uh, we just thought a spinoff was a slam dunk. It tested higher than the Goldberg's pilot, and we were excited about taking uh, two of the most popular side characters and spinning them off onto their own show. It had all the elements, all the all the nostalgia I do well. Man, I'd be and, more into a JTP yeah. show. Yeah, and it's kind of a, it's kind of like a family show. Um, ABC, But ABC wanted something of a workplace comedy show and picked up The Mayor, which has then been canceled. And yeah, it is. Yeah. So basically, it sounds like this. They aired this for a couple reasons. The other reason being because of the fact that you look. There's a, a few, quite a few spinoffs going on right now. You have Grownish over at Freeform, um, which is a blackish spinoff, which has Dion Cole and uh, Yara Shahidi doing double duty now with that because you know where she's sort of been written off because she's at college. She's still going to make a, probably going to make appearances. You know, be more recurring character over on the goal on uh on the goldbergs on blackish but he still appears fairly regularly on both you know and he's i believe number two in the credits in the opening uh credits for grownish then you got young sheldon which eh, i'm okay with so and that's where abc came back and was like yeah let's give it a shot and he, he looks at it this way adam goldberg looks at it this way if enough people liked it you know it's where you know it has enough ratings to where it's going to get developed at ABC, great. Or if they're like, well, maybe ABC Family's a better form or a better, or not ABC Family, uh, Freeform's a better place for it, then okay. Or there's the third option of Sony doing something because Sony is the producers, you know, the production company that does the Goldbergs so that they can do something with it there too. So it is yeah, one of those things that, it, you know, it, 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 it could go somewhere. It, it, it means, man, I don't know. It, it, it feels like, CSI spun off, and it's not even that this is CSI Miami, uh, which became venomously awful as time went on. But it feels like it went straight to CSI Cyber. Uh, it just like the the quality is just not there. Maybe maybe CSI New York. Maybe it, it it's one of those things that like people just forgive it that it exists and like ah oh, fuck it. And it's it's. Thursday, who the hell says anything on right now at 10 o'clock? <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it on while I'm waiting for fucking Colbert to start. I, I just, I didn't want it to suck. I didn't see the the promise of the premise of it. It's weird to me to do the time jump to the 90s with characters that are in the regular show. And like, it's not like we're going to get to see Adam show up in a cameo because, hey, Adam. Did you have like Gary Colvin syndrome? Why are you still looking 15? Uh, you know, it's been 10 ish something years since whatever. It, I just, I felt like it, it tried to push the, the best that it could from the show that it was stealing from mm -hmm. and didn't do enough to be its own thing and, and wasn't funny enough to be interesting. Yeah. And, and that was too many strikes for me. Yeah. So, I'm going to talk about a thing that you st you talked about what 
four years ago, three, four years ago. I don't know. It's been that long. It's it's uh-huh. only like six issues, man. But <laughs> well, five issues. But you know, oh, but you, you, you talked a while back ago about, and this is four kids walking to a bank. Now, I think I might have mentioned this last week that I was reading it, but since then I've finished it. The one thing I will give is the writer is Matthew Robinson, I believe. Um, he's the guy who's writing uh, the Phoenix Resurrection over at Marvel. Matthew Rosenberg is Matthew the writer. Rosenberg. Yeah. And um, Tyler Boss is the illustrator. Yeah, Tyler Boss is the illustrator. And it's published uh, by the, Black Mask Studios. Yep. All, those, all, that, all that stuff there. It originally published last November. It was the trade paperback. And this is one of the things, like the premise is really basic. You have a, a girl and her three best friends that they, you know, live in this small town, you know, everything's fine. And then these guys come into her house and apparently are her dad's friends and suck or, you know, not sucker, uh, bring him in to rob a bank, sort of blackmail him into robbing a bank. And that's where she goes, we're going to rob it before them to help dad out. Um, stuff develops as it goes on. I'm I'm gonna be a little vague here for Corey, because I know you want to fi- you want to finish reading it. I would um, like to. Yeah, and it's definitely something that. Oh my gosh, it, it was really good. I love the art. The art style honestly reminded me of Matt Fraction and David Aha's Hawkeye. You know, it has that. You know, where it's it's not super detailed with the art, like with the art style, but it's you know it's like more flat flat works and you don't you don't you don't really get a lot of depth to the character you know like in physically to the character not like story-wise but it's really cool i love how every issue starts with the kids in their game world so the first issue started with uh them as their dungeons and and dragons characters and then it went to them playing with their drone outside and doing rc cars and stuff like that but it has it does it in the epic way that you thought of it when you were a kid playing outside. Like you're not, you know, just sitting here driving, you know, with your remote controlled car. You're in the car driving, you know, in, you know, when you're doing the donuts, you're, you know, and all that stuff. That's how it starts out here. And then it goes boom into the story, into reality. The ending, I would have loved to have seen a little bit more like explained with it. Just because it's a certain part where they don't say what exactly happens, but I love how it ended too. Like, there's just like a little bit with the wrapping up of things that I'm like, um, time here, what happened, and stuff like that. But yeah, it is so good. I highly recommend it. It's because uh, Black Mass Studios that's that's a really independent publisher, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. It, it's one of those things that it was not well known when we ordered it, and I think we had to get reorders when I was still working in the comic shop because it kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. The, it, it's a low ordered book because people never heard of it. People didn't really know the creators that well. They didn't know anything about it. And then all of a sudden it came in and it started to get buzz, uh, obviously because I reviewed it on our show, but exactly. uh, more likely because it was just really good. And so people started looking for it. It's, it's unfortunate that it's taken this long for it to finish because buzz can only get you so far if there aren't second issues and third issues and fourth issues coming out. Now that it's, you've got a complete story arc in the trade paperback, uh, which we'll have the links to in our, our show notes. That's great because all these people who maybe couldn't find the first issue 
or you know never really got back to it because you know it took so long for the next issue to come out they can pick up the whole thing now uh and that's what i'd like to do yeah but yeah it's i think this is the beauty of comics uh, especially comics in today is that you have the opportunity to pick up things almost anytime you want uh if i don't know if it's available through comiXology or anything uh it seems like it's something that would be eventually but at least you can get copies off of amazon or your local comic shop which we always prefer and you can read it at your leisure you don't have to now wait for the thing to do it and that's that's terrific and so and these people put in a lot of hard work you know however long it took they they sat there and they they made a great story and they made great art and they put it together and now they get to show this as an accomplishment of something that they finished that's that's fantastic so good on them i'm glad that you really enjoyed it uh, I'm glad that I was able to encourage you to try it out in the first place. Yeah. And yes, it is available on uh, Comixology. Excellent. Um, you can do the series or the graphic novel. You know, it's it's such a good book. It is well worth, you know, well worth the read. It's And it's qu- a quick read, too. I mean, it's not, you know, I think each issue is 25 pages. So, I mean, and you go through it really quick as you're as you're reading this. It's, you know, boom, done get the story and you're, you're in you're out and, and just for people who who are are wondering you know is this comic for me and when i the issue that i read at the time especially the way that starts out with the dnd stuff it reminded me very much of stranger things which had just started yeah. or got through its first season around that time there was also another book that we were reading around the same time called paper girls by brian k vaughn yep. i i would i would put this up next to that as the the type of story and stuff you'd be reading the the young characters but but aren't really acting like kids. I mean, there are kids, but they they do it with intelligence and personality and stuff that you like to see. So it's it's kind of like Goonies. It's yeah. that kind of thing of where, or as we were talking about earlier, it the movie where the kids are the stars and and their thought processes and stuff. It, you kind of enjoy going in that journey with them. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean that's I mean there's not really much more that could be said about that. Um, so that's gonna do it for the else views. And we will be right back with the else words. And we are back with the else words. This is our big discussion topic of the week. And we are going to talk comics and movies, but not mention dad's comics or Marvel comics. We're not going to talk DC or Marvel with this. We are going to talk the the other publishers that have been in the news with. We're going to see if somebody else can make a, a comic uh, superhero movie work. Yeah. Or a comic so, franchise movie. So we're going to hit the first bit here is, and because these are all stories that are short, but they're tied together. So DMG uh, Entertainment has acquired all of Valiant Comics. They are the people behind my pick two, three weeks ago of Quantum and Woody. And also, you know, Exo Man of War. Um, they've done stuff like Faith, Ninjak, and... Gosh, there's there's a whole bunch of others in there as well. Faith um, is actually I, I've been seeing some clothing line based off of yeah. her image on ThinkGeek. Yeah, so that's one. I think that's part of this thing here. But um, the big thing with this is basically DMG, uh, run by founder or founder and CEO Dan Mintz, already had fifty seven percent. They just basically bought out the other forty three. Like, yeah, why not? DMG um, has and, bought has acquired Valiant, the company. You know, Valiant has gone yeah. through. Quite a few hands. Uh, we've talked a little bit before about in the in the nineties they got acquired by Acclaim, 
and were republishing and starting out a lot of the books. And that's when uh, characters like Quantum Woody came about. Uh, the Valiant characters, some of the earlier ones, I don't even think are at Valiant anymore. They were gold key characters that have been picked up by another company, uh, Turok and Solar and things. But there's always a chance that they might wind up back in the same universe again. And this is this is interesting because Valiant, Valiant Comics right now are seen as being very, very good. I don't hear anybody's talking about Valiant Comics and not saying that they really enjoy them and have compared them highly favorably over a lot of the Marvel output and the even the DC output, up at least until DC had their rebirth stuff. So no one's excited to see anything change at Valiant itself. They're curious to see how much is going to affect the comics day to day versus what seems to be the bigger thing, which is how do we get these characters up on the screen? And there's been a little bit of that, a little bit of that going forward already. I know Ninjak was supposed to have an online series. Uh, X of Man of War, I think, is one of the ones that's been picked up for a movie at some point. This is the the company that was putting a lot of stake into Valiant already saying, hey, we really believe in this. We just want to own you outright so we can take care of all this. You know, uh, we'll, we'll bankroll everything, but we'll also get the gains from it uh, in the long run. And that makes yeah. a certain degree of sense. What I'm not hearing so far with the Valiant stuff that's been announced is a shared universe thing necessarily. It seems like the Ninjak show is is its own entity versus EXO versus Bloodshot, whatever else comes out. Um, if they do a Quantum and Woody, these things standing on their own. I feel like when I read Archer and Armstrong, there were strong ties to some of the other characters, like Eternal Warrior, I think was a big part of it. I think he was actually a relative of Armstrong. So I don't know how much it can stay separate if you want to fully explore these characters. But then it took a lot of years of Michael Keaton, Batman movies and Christopher Reeve, Superman movies and Wonder Woman TV series before we finally started seeing some of those characters team up on screen. It was a lot of years of separate Spider-Man movies and X-Men movies and everything else. Uh, oh, wait, those are mostly still separate. Uh, but still, you, you get what I'm saying is that the the shared universe thing, while it feels like that's everything right now because Marvel has done it so much and DC's finally gotten around to it, it's still kind of new. It's still yeah. not a a thing that we're used to having. So maybe it takes a few shots for Valiant to to do that. And this is where I, I honestly have to give them credit because they're doing this, you know, getting this stuff out there because they have this benefit of the fact that no one really knows a lot about them. You know, a lot of, a lot of people don't know about, you know, quantum and Woody or, uh, you know, Harbinger or, you know, a lot of these properties. So they're like, well, let's just do these good. So for example, they already have in the works right now, you know, Harbinger and bloodshot are set over at Sony with, Bloodshot being uh having Vin Diesel attached to Star, Quantum and Woody, which is a favorite of CEO Dan Mincer. I, I think it's Dan. You know, he likes that show. It's in development as a TV show with the Russo Brothers Getaway Productions. And then Dr. Mirage is also set to be a TV series with CBS Studios and the CW network. So they're, you know, they're doing all these things in in these other properties, you know, in these other mediums. Like I think one was it, what was it, Ninjak versus the Valiant Universe. Mm -hmm. was going to be the online thing because of the fact that like I, I remember hearing about that because it had jason david frank from uh power rangers 
correct attached with it. I think he was going to play Ninjak. I believe that was the case. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's one of these things like with it, it's with this and with all the stuff. I'm like all the th- stories we're here that we're gonna have. It's like if it's gonna be good, great. You know, I would. I, you know, I'd love to see a Quantum and Woody TV series. I'd love to see an Archer and Armstrong's you know movie franchise. You know, yeah, you- I I really enjoyed Archer and Armstrong. Uh, that that's one that I would I would love to. See. I would probably like to see it as a Netflix series or something. Yeah, I uh, mean, because the stories are, have a a depth and and length to them that I think works. And so, I mean, I think it's really cool. The other part is that is a rumor, but this all stems from mark millar signing with netflix so millar world is owned by netflix now i believe was the, how the deal went and yeah mark were- miller we we know mark from doing things like kick-ass and wanted and the kingsman yep. and he's he's had several high profile movies come out uh, including two of them that have had sequels so he's done very well most of his stuff was being published either through Image or some of the stuff originally Marvel, but they were all creator-owned properties along yep. with his co-creators, the artists on the books, which is kind of the, the the big thing. Now, the properties that have already come out, meaning Hit Girl and Kick-Ass and Kingsman and uh, Probably Wanted, are not included in this. But he's had a lot of other properties that have existed that are under this, this banner head that Netflix, basically, they bought out Mark Miller's creativity, uh, the stuff that he's developed before that wasn't already sold or de- or being in development with another company and stuff going forward. He's going to keep continuously making new ideas for them. And it's exclusive to Netflix. So he's had books that are not really superhero based, like uh, American Jesus, which was originally called Chosen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's had a lot of other things like uh, Starlight, I think, was one that was kind of a future flash gordon thing of flash gordon has retired on earth to marry the eve arden i think is the character name and she's now passed and so he wants to come out of retirement and go back into saving the universe and stuff his kids don't believe any of his stories were real so it's a little bit like the incredibles a little bit don quixote but it's it's a sweet story he also did another one about a superpower character that was kind of i don't know if if he was challenged but he was a little bit simple-minded and and it was like he would go around and he would try to do one good thing every day and i i never read the actual book but it was one of those things that would come up and like like miller went through a, a phase of being kind of overly grotesque hyper-violent uh, stories and then he started doing stuff that was a little bit closer to being sweet and and feel good stories and he he's it's the thing is that there's a miller that i find appealing and then there's a miller that i find very very unappealing his work not him personally and so it just depends on what you get but he keeps making big ideas now some of his things are the kinds of stuff that you go oh it's this mixed with this it's the x-men as spies it's Batman, if he was a villain, it's those sorts of things. Uh, yeah. So, and the, and those books will probably be some of the first ones that are in development. It'll depend on what kind of air that he has to it. I don't know again if this is a shared universe thing or if this is just Miller's works in their own stories because a lot of these concepts don't work together as shared. You don't see the Kingsmen crossing over with Kickass. You could conceivably. 
but it just they feel like they're two separate ideas that wouldn't necessarily equal out to being in the same room together. But I wouldn't put it past them. Wanted, same sort of thing. Wanted and Kingsman probably could exist. Mm -hmm. The the perfect assassin against the, the perfect spies. Maybe. It just sort of depends. But it, so, it does show that Netflix sees the possibility of comic books and superheroes outside of the Marvel house, especially when Marvel could very well exit Netflix at some point with the whole Disney deal thing. So this and the article is coming from Bleeding Cool. They say that all the titles from Malar World, with the exceptions of Kick-Ass, Kingsman, and Hit Girl, are, which those will be continued to be published by uh, Image Comics, will be published by Netflix Comics. So right. it's, part of it is they've, I think they've changed Malar World to Netflix Comics, which is a smart move because if it does take off like they're hoping, calling something Malar World or, or Miller World is, is going to sort of feel exclusionary in that regard. Well, I, I think what it is, is that Netflix, and, and this is the other part, is that it's not just Netflix Comics isn't an imprint in Netflix of here's where we take comics properties and put them on the screen. Netflix Comics is actually comic books. Yes. This yeah. is the bigger story is that Netflix is saying, oh, yeah, all of these these properties that we've just gotten rights to, well, they we still want to see them published as comics, both the old stuff and new stuff. And where is that stuff going to wind up? Who's going to be the publisher? So they're making their own publishing imprint. And, and the rumor is that it's going to actually be put out by Dark Horse. Yeah. So it's it's weird because with how it sounds like from the author of the article that it's going to initially be done through a uh, dark horse. And then once they get their leggings and they'll do it themselves or something. Yeah. But Malibu was kind of like that. Or, or I, maybe it was image was done by Malibu. There was some kind of deal where the company started up and image was and, through Malibu. Yeah. And then it, they got their legs and then they went off and they started doing the stuff on their own. But it was like, we don't have, we don't have all the startup to make this happen just on its own. It's very expensive. It takes a lot of skill and stuff. You have people who already do this. So we're just going to pay you guys to to do this for us until we're ready to, to, to take it and run with it. And Dark Horse is a very good company to use. Dark Horse is a, a premier publisher mm -hmm. uh, who a few years ago, unfortunately, lost some of their biggest rights to to some of the stories they were doing because marvel acquired uh, or disney acquired marvel but also they acquired star wars and so dark force for years had published star wars comics and all those star wars comics got pulled to go to marvel to publish instead uh and and change the continuity of a lot of things at the same time yeah so that was that was a big blow to dark horse but they so, they didn't yeah. fold up and die they they started doing other stuff no yeah it looks like they've lost star wars IDW, Yen, Line, Webtoons, and Scholastic. And then they also just, you know, lost Conan to Marvel. Yeah, Conan's gone back and forth a few times. I, I don't see Conan as being like the big thing. Uh, but what I'm more worried about is some of the other properties that, that Dark Horse has published over the years has been like Predator and Aliens and Robocop. Yeah. And uh, Predator and Aliens are both Fox properties. And <laughs> who just <laughs> bought out Fox? Uh, so, so get you. You heard it here first, folks. The whole reason why Disney is buying all these things is so they could fuck with Dark Horse. But isn't there also a story that I think I saw this week that Dark Horse is going to be publishing Frozen comics? That wouldn't surprise me because here ABC has their own 
publisher. But that's the thing. Because I, I think they're still doing like Darkwing Duck or Donald Duck or one of them comics too. I think well, I think so so a few not... years ago, Boom Studios had the rights to the Disney characters, not not like ownership, but they were publishing Darkwing Duck, Chippendale, Rescue Rangers, uh DuckTales, that kind of stuff. And uh the Muppet comics, which were excellent. The Roger Language stuff was so good. And then the Disney deal happened with them buying Marvel, and so they pulled all those licenses away. But then Marvel doesn't do kids' comics. They they just don't know how anymore. They don't have the people. They they have plenty of, of people who are like, oh yeah, I can write the shit out of a Star Wars book, but I can't make heads or tails out of writing a, a fucking goof troop series. Uh, they, they've tried a couple things here and there where they did, like someone did a series of uh, the Dragon Figment. Yeah, that was Jim Zub. Yep. But overall, Marvel and Disney just have not mixed. Yeah. And so, first of all, big screw to Boom, who, again, had to go and find and acquire a whole bunch of other stuff to do. They made a lot of their own stuff, Mm -hmm. uh, doing stuff with Lumberjanes and things. But they also had started doing the stuff with Adventure Time and uh, a bunch of the... Warriors. Yep, Bravest Warriors, Powerpuff Girls, Samurai Jack, a lot of the Cartoon Network stuff. Which is weird because a lot of those properties owned by Warner Brothers, DC, you know, yeah, yeah. So very weird. But take a company that knows what they're doing. That's the thing is that you you pull the rug out from under this company that's doing great stuff with your Disney properties to pull them back and then didn't do anything with them. Couldn't yeah. do anything with them. So Dark Horse it, to release original comic series featuring Disney's Frozen. So again, Marvel not going to do a Frozen comic, but we have this it seems like we should make frozen comics who could do it well they they went to dark horse so there's still a working relationship somewhere between disney and dark horse that's able to do stuff it's just a question of what do they feel the properties are better served at is predator a good marvel property or is it a good license it out to somebody else to do a property the next bit is sort of a twofer but it's uh rob liefeld's extreme universe is coming to the big screen. So this is sort of the other end of the spectrum. This is, yeah, this is closer to Marvel and DC. Yeah. Uh, Some people would say, well, it's just like Marvel except no feet. But in this case, this is all the characters already coexist. Yeah. All the characters have crossovers in the books. The big issue with this is that the the most well-known book by extreme studios and by rob liefeld is youngblood and youngblood is not part of this deal because it's already been put into a production promise at another company i think over the years so but all the other things in the extreme universe that rob has created and had a lot of people working mark miller being one of them and uh oh god who else oh your friend from the walking dead Robert Kirkman. Yeah, Robert Kirkman has written stuff for for Extreme Studios. Alan Moore famously did the Judgment Day comic and then did a really terrific run on Supreme. So all these other characters, Bloodstrike, Bloodwolf, a lot of bloods. You're going to hear a lot of bloods in these. Uh, Rejects, Kaboom, hopefully one of my favorite books that, that I loved, which was New Men. These things all available to this new on-screen universe. So here's, here's Akiva Goldsman. Yeah, here, here's the bigger part with that, with this because I mean you have Akiva Goldman or Goldsman who is setting up the writers' room for this universe. 
there's the producer joining them with Graham King, and then Chinese Outfit Fundamental Films are all partnering on this uh, franchise based on the comic creations. That's where I feel like this is going to be hit because I mean, you know, the um, not, I'm not incredibly familiar with the um, Extreme Comics line, but you know, it's it's is it it's the tr- like the superheroes, but they're more edgier, like with because it was it was outside of edgy. They're extreme. Uh, well, so I, so, I wanted to avoid that. You know, they're right. Extreme. I know, but but it's this is the whole point. Whenever somebody makes those quotes about the '90s and everything's extreme, that's exactly what this was. You know, this was this is Rob Liefeld. Rob Liefeld created X Force, created Deadpool and Cable in New Mutants, and then took New Mutants and finished that book out and spun it off into X Force, and was part of the the exodus of Marvel of all these high end like hugely paid, hugely fanned creators, uh, particularly the artists, and they went off and they said, "We're not going to work for you anymore." We're going to go and start our own company and do our own shit and own our shit. And then they went over to DC and they said, hey, uh, just so you heard, we've left Marvel. And DC's like, yeah, yeah, we can't wait to get you on our books. We're not getting on your books. We're going to create our own shit. So just like a giant middle finger to both of the biggest companies in comics ever. And so that that's kind of like what his whole line is was doing extreme books when when extreme left image comics now it was the first launch book was young blood mm-hmm. at image but when extreme left image comics because of a falling out between rob and some of the other creators the, he had to rebrand it so he created awesome comics so it goes from extreme to awesome there was another one i can't remember was like his first spinoff that was like i'm not leaving image yet but i want to do this other thing completely too I can't remember what that imprint was, but now, now, I think that might have been where Evangeline was from. Now, wasn't Rob Liefeld like twenty three at this time? He was very young when he yeah. when he did the Levi's five hundred one blues commercial. <laughs> My fly is buttoned. Yeah, and so there was maybe a little bit of immaturity, maybe for all the guys there was, but there was also like you go from being a guy who's just gonna draw superheroes to being super rich and spending three million dollars on a baseball Todd McFarlane that was a good investment uh <laughs> you you kind of get some chutzpah yeah and so, you also don't necessarily know how to run that kind of business on your own so the the partners all got together and, and they hired some good people and they did things but they still they were all cocky and so you get th- that many egos in a room and they're gonna they're gonna bash heads and they're they're gonna like somebody's gonna think they're cooler than everybody else so honest honestly with this like looking at this i mean because where i've i read a little bit of the what was it was it young blood that relaunched like recently with image uh young blood is one of the ones that relaunched recently with yeah. Image. They, I, they did I, a I, really good run with glory and a uh, there was another one oh profit was another one that had some yeah. pretty cool relaunch stuff but young blood hmm. was was probably one of the most recent ones he also did a couple kickstarters of uh blood strike i think was one yeah and brigade might have been another but i mean it's this is one of the things that like where i'm not like i, I read a little bit of like a, the first couple issues and i enjoyed it enjoyed the book the young blood book but at the same time part of it was i felt like i need to know a little bit more of the history of young blood and the other part of it was there's a lot of comic books i i read and so it, it fell low on my list well, that was the point of the relaunch is that I don't think it was requiring you to know the history as much. And honestly, yeah. 
because there's I need to know a little bit no no you really didn't and 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 you're you're probably better off one because the original young blood series not big on story man it was it was all about the dynamic art it was all about you know it, here's here's these characters oh look somebody's head just got blown off hey that guy looks kind of cool oh he's dead uh because it was just like all out action all the time it was never about the plot comics at that point in time and they're they're getting into this right now with this new DC spin-off line with with all these artists as the lead creators. It it was basically the artist drew the story and then the writer would come in and fill in the dialogue after. And it was loose plots. It was here's a plot. Okay, fill out the the 24 pages with that plot and then we'll go back in and we'll we'll make it all the stuff work. That was the Marvel style of doing comics. And what happened with the early image stuff is that there were a lot of cases of the writer didn't really come into play. The artist thought they could write. They thought they could make a cohesive storyline or or dialogue. And it didn't always work out that way. Over time, they developed into better things. Todd McFarlane had guest issues where Neil Gaiman wrote a comic. And oh, shit, uh, forgot to fucking pay him like he was supposed to uh, for the creation of Angela. So that didn't work out. Uh, also had issues where Dave Sim came in, where Frank Miller wrote stuff. That was a good move on Todd's part. It gave the book more more depth and more gravitas. Jim Lee was very lucky to have Brandon Choi write for Wildcats from the very beginning and develop stories. I think Brandon also wrote the early Stormwatch stuff. Brandon was a, a decent writer. You know, there was there was a lot more to the Youngblood, but not the Youngblood, the Wildstorm books at that point than there were uh, some of the other things. I, I think it was still called Homage at that point. Extreme took a while. When I talk about New Men, the reason why I liked New Men was because the writer on it had some stories that I really dug. I liked his style. That writer was Eric Stephenson, who has long now been the head of Image Comics. I, I, I think he was very good, even at that early stage. But like I said, Rob got in bigger names. He got people to start working on the book, like, say, Kurt Busiek mm -hmm. was supposed to write right young blood mark miller the problem is the books didn't come out and it was almost always because the art fell behind i don't think it was ever the writers although we can definitely say that writers sometimes hold things up it just seemed like so many times it was oh we're launching and it's going to be this big thing and there were all these promises made and then the books would just kind of fall the wayside and that unfortunately still seems to happen with rob stuff today there are people who complained about the kickstarter stuff it's like i never got my comics or when's the next issue coming out or or whatever I think he always intends the best. And so when he went back to Marvel a couple of years ago and was doing stuff at DC where he was writing a few books and drawing a couple of books at the same time, and he was hitting his deadlines every month, and that was with a lot of editorial interference, it was to kind of prove, hey, I can do this. Uh, I think it was as much to prove it to himself as it was to the audience. But in the long run, when it comes to extreme books, there still seems to be things where they fall behind. And that's probably because the business needs to be run by somebody, too. And that's not where his expertise is. Rob's a very dynamic creator. As a businessman, he can probably do things, too. But when he's got to do them both at the same time, I think it 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 suffers. That said, this is a this is a big deal, not so much because of Rob, although I think there's something to said because Rob's a creator of Deadpool and Deadpool is like on fire right now. Rob's a creator of Cable. Cable is going to be the next big thing in Deadpool, but it's more about the fact that this is someone bought a universe, you know, yeah. and Akiva Goldsman, 
is the guy who's been doing the Transformers movies for Hasbro. The guy who's been trying to launch the new Hasbro line that mixes the Transformers and G.I. Joe and Visionaries and a couple other properties that don't necessarily make sense together. But he really wants a big shared universe. So Hasbro is maybe not the one to do that. Rob's stuff, which is already all these characters know each other and interact with each other. So that's what we get to draw on. That's probably the way to go because it's easier to make that stuff happen. I was talking with someone online today. They were talking about the universal monsters and why they, they tried to do this dark universe stuff with the mummy. And, and before that, actually they tried to do it with Dracula untold and they didn't take off. And I said, well, because these characters were never meant to be interactive with each other. You know, the, the Wolfman, the mummy, Dracula, the creature from the Black Lagoon. There's only been three cases that I can think of where they they interacted. It was the Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, which was comedy. It was the Monster Squad, which was comedy. And it was Van Helsing, which wasn't funny how shitty that movie was. <laughs> um, so to try to force them into each other because, well, they're universal monsters. And that's what everybody sees them as. And Universal owns them. So we want to make our own franchise. I just don't know that people are buying into it. Also, because the properties are kind of seen as as old and quaint at this point. Nobody's nobody's freaking out for a new Dracula movie. Nobody's jumping up and down for a new wolf band. You know, it's not even a werewolf. He's a wolf band. He has nards. We know that. Wolf man. Yeah, it's just so I think Marvel's had the advantage because for 70 years, Captain America knew the Avengers, knew the Fantastic Four, knew the X-Men. DC's had the advantage. They just didn't know how to play it. But <laughs> Wonder Woman and Batman and Superman all have coffee together regularly. Cal will heat it up when it starts to get cold. And mm -hmm. Batman will pay for the, the extra whipped cream because he's got the bank. A shared universe that pre-exists coming in means that you can make movies into a franchise much easier. Will they be great? I don't know. I, I have nothing nice to say about the Transformers movies. Yeah. I mean, that's where it sort of like loses me is because of that. But Akiva Goldsman has done so many things. And yeah, some of them are truly awful and some of them aren't bad. And I, I kind of want to say, isn't he the guy who bought the rights to A God in the Shed by our friend J.F. DeBow? Hold on. So I, Hold on. I, I don't want to shit on, on this at all because I really, really, really want A God in the Shed to become my next uh, Netflix series or whatever. I, I want to see that happen. So we, we know at least he's got taste. Um, <laughs> I don't think I'm speaking on a turn of that. I, I, I'm pretty sure I've heard JF say that a number of times uh, in different places, either on his uh, writing podcast or on Mind of a Geek. So yep, I really don't think I'm speaking on any beans. Yeah. No, no, no. no. Yeah, this is on uh, trackingboard.com. Um, Skyland or Skydance Lands Hot Manuscript, A God in the Shed from JF Dubo with Akiva Goldsman set to produce. Yeah. So yeah, it's um <laughs> change your change your opinions now as the, as you see fit. <laughs> I'm not changing my opinions. Like I said, he, he's done some stuff that I don't like, and he's done some stuff that uh, I probably do like. I don't know his entire list of, of works, but he, he's been so prolific. He's done so many different things. Uh, you can you can have a range of of awesome to shitty and back again but he he's definitely picked one of my favorite properties in jf stuff i i gotta say i have a love for the extreme universe it, it 
part of it is yes it's it's a lot of it started out with a lot of kind of copies of marvel characters or dc characters like all the image books did but i think over time there was something to a lot of those different books that i i liked and i like rob i i honestly like rob liefeld a lot just as a dude especially as a a family guy he, he's a he's a good parent you know he's very doting of his kids his his energy is electric he's fun he loves comics he's like the biggest fanboy and admits it and he also takes knowledge of his faults like mm -hmm. the captain america chest five times bigger than his head thing he he's he's taken that joke and run with it he he doesn't mind it it's like yeah it gets old maybe at some points but he's never been a guy who's who said oh yeah i'm better than everybody else you know maybe he said that in private but he doesn't say that out loud to the fans and he yeah. treats the fans really well so I, I like him and I, I hope this works out. And Rob, again, if you're out there and you're listening, I just want to write a kid, kid Supreme story. You know, that, <laughs> that's been my dream since the 90s. You don't have to pay me. I'm just I'm just glad to do it because I really like that character. I feel like, yes, we've gone long, but we owe it to beat to mention the final thing, which was Luke Besson's Eurocore. It got picked up by Netflix, I think. Yeah, we had a little bit of talk about this at, at before the show. I haven't seen Valerian. We all know the the fifth element. I've seen a lot of Bassan stuff that's a little bit more out there from things like The Professional or The Big Blue, which was a movie about deep sea divers who, who don't have equipment. I, and Nikita. I've never seen the original movie, La Femme Nikita. I saw Point of No Return. That was that was definitely a mistake. Uh, so I think Harvey Keitel took over the 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 part of Jacques Renault in that, but is it, I don't remember his name now, but so yeah, I, Bassan is one of those people who doesn't seem to sell tickets, but when people see his stuff, Jean Renault, thank you. When people see his stuff later, they wind up enjoying it, talking about it. So he's, he's not a big blockbuster guy, but he, he does tell a good story or at the very least, his stuff is so visually stimulating that you love seeing it you love looking at it on the screen the fifth element is such a weird movie and it in so many ways it shouldn't work and i don't know if it actually necessarily did when when it came out in the theater i don't remember what we went to see instead but i know we didn't go to see that but a year later when it was out on on video or on cable we're like holy shit this movie is excellent and now everybody talks about it like it it's one of the biggest things ever and it kind of is so i'm glad to see Bassan get the ability to do stuff going forward and and someone picked up his stuff Netflix picking up his stuff Netflix is great because they don't necessarily need to believe in your your product as much as they believe in you as a creator and they just let you go and and do it and then they put it in front of the audience and let the audience decide hey I want to watch this uh, even if it's just out of morbid curiosity I think it goes in the same boat as Bright which was the recent Netflix movie that a lot of people shit on for the story or whatever, but many, many people watched and we're going to get more of it. I, I, I feel like you get this stuff in front of people and they'll see it and they'll go, okay, maybe this isn't the best thing in the world, but I can watch it and I can rewatch it. And, and maybe I'll warm to it over time a couple times through and it'll get either more interesting or funnier or whatever, or it'll just be like, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and I'll, I'll watch it out of morbid curiosity over and over again until I love it and becomes my favorite thing ever. And, and there is a possibility that more Valerian can happen because of this deal. 
and a lot of people, everybody I know who saw it seemed to really like it. It's just nobody saw it. Yeah, I think that's the problem right there is that no one saw it in theaters. I also not, think that yeah. a lot of people had problems with the leads is that they just didn't have chemistry at all. That's yeah. that's the complaint that I heard the most. But I haven't watched it yet. You've watched it. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. And it's, I don't know, it's, I, I liked it. I'll put it this way. I liked. You liked it. The, I like, yeah. That's the important thing. I liked it, Mikey. Yeah. So, so, so if basically you wanna... that's, that's four different kind of comic book to film movies or deals that are happening with Bazan doing stuff with Valerian. All these things are big possible production jumps that we'll have to see, you know, what happens in a in a post Marvel Cinematic Universe world. Are these good moves? Are these bizarre moves? You know, is Mark Miller the right guy to throw your money at? Maybe he's had some good success in film so far. Is is Rob Liefeld, you know, based off of his only creation that's made it up to the big screen? Yeah, probably. But is that because he's a Marvel character or because he's a Rob character and with the, the Valiant stuff. Well, I mean, that's, that's basically like Marvel starting 20 years ago instead of 70 years ago. Yeah. Who knows? No, yeah, definitely. So with that, I think we're going to leave it up to you guys. You know, we're going to throw this over to you. And if you want to re- reply back, you know, let us know, you know, what you're looking forward to with this, what, what you think of these, all the things that we talked about today, you can leave us a voicemail at 805-328-3966. Or you could email us mail at elsnerds.com. Um, you can also subscribe to us over at gncasts.com slash subscribe. And if you do a search for Galactic Netcasts on Facebook, Twitter, all that, you will find the the mothership of Galactic Network. That's also where you, on Twitter where you'll find us. We're at Nerds. You can find our producers. B is at Beatmaster80. Evan is at Mr. Underscore Fusion. I could be found, or Sean Burns. Sorry, I'll do Sean first. Uh, can be found at S Burns PA and I can be found at that Gregor Corey, where can people find the works of one Levi Strauss Krauss Krauss. Sorry. Damn it. And Levi Strauss is the jeans. Um, it, it's funny because he's gotten called out for his name and people always think it's an alias. It's not man. That's just <laughs> Levi. You can probably find him on a farm somewhere, but no, uh, you can find his comics at donutscomics.com which is a great place to go. He also has a Tumblr, which I don't know where that is. If you go to Tumblr and look up Donuts Comics, it's, you'll probably find it if you look up Levi Krauss. He's very talented. And like me, he's maybe fallen a little bit behind on putting stuff up on the internet. I hope to get back to it. I keep saying that at some point, <laughs> I'll live up to my potential. Yes. My mom says I'm pretty. <laughs> and the final thing to be said is this has been a don't tell glenn production we will see you next week or else
For more on this Galactic Network podcast, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com. <laughs>